0: Hi, doggy. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Justin. Keith, you're up.
1: Well, Keith was lying there.
2: Dying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how's it going? All right. What does your shirt say?
1: Nice and cool. Okay. You got a problem with that?
2: No. Um, Just wish I I had one too. Okay. Feel like uh, that's a good podcast shirt. And you could have just said like, hey, I'm ordering one. You want one? That's not your style, is it?
1: keep it all for myself
2: exactly you know what it wouldn't surprise me if there's a, if we have a patreon <laughs> <laughs> and you just never I'm like, told me what you're you're buying shirts you have merch
1: <laughs> yeah all right all right well you I know i love you i love being your tile coach
2: bye bye here's here's something just to kind of build off of last week i think it was
1: mm-hmm. again
2: like i say pretty much every week i'm left being like i don't think i made my point clear mm-hmm. enough and blah 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 whatever but i'm not going to listen over again and and overthink it although i will say whenever i was talking about you know just doing something because you find value in it and and having that be enough. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: The one thing that that they'll say that I think is still a trope specifically with podcasts that I think I'm over, just like you said with the curse, we're not using the C word Mm -hmm. is people who do usually something like a podcast Mm -hmm. and haven't internally resolved it for themselves and so either every episode or every few episodes it's gonna come up again where they just go, What are we doing?
1: We're losers with a podcast. We're losers
2: with a podcast. Yeah. And I just want to be like, you know what? It it's been going on long enough. Right. Even if you are new to podcasting, no one just resolve it. Just resolve it in yourself. And then you know do what I mean? yeah, do the stupid podcast. Yeah. I don't I don't need to hear. So even though I provided my own last time. <laughs> right. That's You're that's, already going back on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that I go back. I was like, I wish I wouldn't talk because it's not. Yeah. If you're doing it, you're doing it. Oh, shoot. Oh, and that's it. That's it. And we're over.
1: <laughs> bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Did you want to talk about anything before we get into Curse? Um, I, th- There's a lot. I feel like.
2: Um, there's always so much I want to talk about. Um, I will say, just today, mm-hmm. I finished the novel Poor Things, which is the new Yorgos Lanthimos mm-hmm. film that's coming out. I was gonna watch the film first, and then I just I don't know why I I was I gotta read this Lord novel mercy, first. Lord have about to
0: bust. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. Like, one of my favorite novels of all time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that, again, you, you you read. And I told you about The Brass Halo, another book that, that I'm reading that I'm really enjoying. Yeah. Just, I've been looking for best book lists for, you know, going back years. I never heard of poor things. Mm -hmm. I never heard of the Brass Halo.
1: Well, the Brass Halo, to be fair, is from the 80s. Right. So. But in terms of like. Would have had to go back pretty far to see that list. But but the thing with
2: the internet, which is so great about the internet, is it flattens time. Sure. Right? All you need is somebody to have awareness of something, and it's going to make their list. Mm -hmm. When True Detective came out, you know I was searching like best cosmic horror detective stories. Right. Enter. Mm-hmm. Never heard of the brass halo. Um and Poor Things, never heard of Poor Things. When
1: did Poor Things come out?
2: Nineties.
0: Oh, okay.
2: But again, if you're if I've searched plenty of times mm-hmm. like I like I would put that under important books, enter. Like mm-hmm. if, if I was aggregating lists and had to add tags to poor things, I'd be like modern classic, you know, important books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it blows my mind again that we have access to so much content and, and how content gets sifted and what's how hard it is sometimes for things to still get through. And then, you also need to make time for it like that's the other thing in trying to read a lot this year and for my own personal benefit i did my best books of the year
0: mm-hmm.
2: list and i always keep you're a, a loser list.
1: with the best books of the year list Oh, i'm a
2: loser with a list for <laughs> films guess what i just finished the other day uh-huh. you'll be happy to know
1: your best DFS lineups of the year.
2: My um <laughs> my most anticipated movie oh, right, of, of the year list, which, which is now sitting at a comfortable like hundred and forty eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I just again I, I just feel like um it, it's it's so it's still so hard to find like value. You know, it, it makes things more accessible, but it doesn't necessarily elevate like I feel like sometimes I have to work harder mm-hmm. to find good good stuff. I, I think I told you like earlier this year when I was trying to read more, it was unbelievable how many times I had to search like enter different keywords just to find different books being recommended. It's all the same stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um the girl on the train, the woman in the window, mm-hmm. Gone Girl, which I love Gone Girl. I hate those other two. And it's just like all that stuff just in a in a wash cycle. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Poor Things, fantastic book. The Brass Halo feels like a real story hidden in a fictional story mm-hmm. and just really creepy, really enjoying it um yeah any any updates from you anything you've been getting into uh not really
1: uh i finished that book i was telling you about mountain of the dead yeah about, about the, the love pass right um so what's the what's the theory there is no theory mm. the th- mountain of the dead is that what i said yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, the theory that I've heard the most, like, I've heard avalanche, mm-hmm. is probably the most popular. Mm-hmm. And then second, secondarily, was a military operation mm-hmm. that was being run on the mountain that triggered th- them to like freak out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no. Um, one theory that explains everything. Uh, the gist of it is nine Russian hikers, like professional scientists or whatever, young, young, young healthy, college age,
2: trying to get,
1: know what they're doing,
2: trying to get like license, like whatever the equivalent yeah. is for hiking licensed.
1: They go hiking in this mountain. Uh, they all die. And then bodies are found a couple weeks later. Yeah, not
2: just die. I mean, one is found like up a tree, they're all right. in their underclothes. So the two Someone had their their jaw ripped off.
1: Right. So the two that are in the tree are the two the two that actually own the only two that makes sense. But basically found a few weeks later and no one can tell what happens. The problem with all of it is it's the fifties when this happened. It's Russia. Uh, the, the, um, initial handling of the scene is admittedly poorly, uh, handled. Um, and then, you know, you add on top of that decades, nobody knows what happens. There seems to, the only sort of common thread seems to for sure be that something is being covered up, covered up. The government knows something else and it seems like that uh but because of that you know all of these crazy theories start coming out and this book the reason i there's a million of these books about it the reason Mm -hmm. i picked this one is i think because it was the most recent and i wanted to make sure i had like the most the latest facts right and the book was for what it is it's like six hours long It's like a couple chapters on who these people were and the history of the thing. And then it's four hours of these are all of the possible (laughs) theories and they get really wild. But um, the sort of the one sticking point, like you said, that does not make sense with any theory, any like plausible theory, is that one of the people, woman, was found by herself... And she'd had her tongue ripped out. That's right. And her tongue had been ripped out according to the coroner, the autopsy while she was still alive because she had a bunch of coagulated blood in her stomach. So they could tell it happened while she was alive, which makes no sense. Like it just does not make sense. Everything else can kind of be explained in natural ways that, As it was framed to me, as I I heard it and read it, it makes no sense. And I heard no explanation for that. And that was even, it wasn't even really addressed that much in the book. It was like, this happened. Every single theory Mm -hmm. that got brought up, I expected A, and this is how her tongue got ripped out part. And it was not in In there.
2: (laughs) In the little research I've done, that's
1: exactly
2: what came through to me too, which is the, the best are the close, not the best, because I don't think it makes sense either with somebody who's like, Yeah, you know, animal foragers probably came and like when she was dead, ate ate her tongue.
1: Yeah, and, maybe there's like a window between that would make you think she's still alive. Like the autopsy makes you think this could have happened when she was alive. Maybe there's like a window there, who knows? But I don't know. And, yeah. and I'm like,
2: what animal goes for your <clears throat> tongue? Yeah. Like I, I would understand my understanding too is like your, our eyes are pretty delicious to anything mm-hmm. that's going to be like a, a scavenger. So if they're going to eat something, they're just going to like go right there for the eyeballs.
1: Mm-hmm. Which they did on some other people.
2: Right. And, but her eyes were intact, right? I think It so, was yeah. just her tongue. Just her tongue. So what, the thing was full on eyeballs and was like, you know what, I'll
1: I'll take a tongue this time. <laughs> right. And then the other thing that's a little strange, but yeah can kind of be addressed with the avalanche theory or something like it's like they they all or most of them had pretty severe internal injuries but no external signs of force or anything like that so
2: yeah the, the other theory i heard was like testing a almost like a
1: sonic weapon sonic weapon of something called a vacuum bomb or missile something like that I mean, it, yeah, it was, it's wild. It's it was interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Again, I feel like if somebody's really wanting to search for the bizarre, it's going to be smaller stories. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the little things, you know. I believe we've we've talked on this podcast, but there's a mysterious happening, a shared experience that we've had that it's
1: just a small little thing mm-hmm. that that's hard to explain. It's like you're talking about the shit in the house. <laughs> exactly. That to me is not hard to explain.
2: It's hard to explain. Uh-huh. And
1: that's the stuff where
2: I'm like, those are the mystery. Everyone's looking for the big stories. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's the little weird things, you know? And even in this big story, it's still the weird, the little thing of like, she was missing her tongue. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's always the little details, and I feel like, people, yeah. yeah, people always go up to a limit of what they can explain, and then you just have to like shrug at the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And but they just like, oh, we've explained the big stuff, so it, it's like the little stuff is what haunts me. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you, you didn't. You the areas you left are the point for me. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the areas that you're like, ah, So, avalanche and whatever, it, it tore her tongue out as it went by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh other than that i've been playing a lot Oof. lot of civilization revolution going back to going the back to the well. old standby yep
2: the i think we, we both agree the kind of good nice synthesis between a full like civilization six which i think was the last one right yeah, A full civilization game and a... It's the baby version.
1: version that they made for dummies it's, of civilization.
2: But it's one step more, right? It's, it's you, not like baby, baby. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you play it on the hardest difficulty, I would say it's one step more. Yeah. Anything below... Oh, do you play on medium? Anything below deity? No. is like you might as well be putting together like the big piece puzzles with numbers on them and stuff that babies do as long as you're on dd you're good but even then i've been playing it so much that it's like you learn if you just do these couple of things in the early game you're pretty much set for the rest and and it had you know and and with that with that in mind it's also like you you have the four different types of victories right but basically if you've gotten to a point indeedy where you're going to survive to the end of the game you can win any way you want right that's the other thing that's a little uh that I think I'm I'm is going to wean me off of it that I'm already feeling because I've I've gotten to a point where it's like okay this is it's becoming a little rote mm-hmm. you know what I mean
2: it's hard to find a, a good middle ground I do think because I love games like that and I I get suckered in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Steam Deck. And so um, I've bought a few, but it's hard to find the balance. You know, mm-hmm. the one thing that I will recommend, I'm, I'm going to see if it's on iOS. A few of the games that really sucked me in, I'm like, these should be phone games. Um, there's a. Well,
1: they made a phone version of Civ Rev. You know that?
2: Right. Yeah, no, there's a game called Thronefall. Mm -hmm. That's pretty fantastic. And a game called Stacklands. Oh, Stacklands is, uh, oh, three stars out of five. Oh, you know, it makes you feel like, yeah, yeah, is this from the actual developer? I don't think it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is like a fake version. Um, But those are kind of, similar um ideas done in a different way Mm -hmm. that have really sucked me in and um again i feel like those games i'm like why aren't these on consoles yeah i don't know i'm not a developer but anyway
1: okay uh so going back to our last episode i wanted to talk about this post I saw on the Curse subreddit about the art exhibit. Okay. Do you have any did you have any uh lingering thoughts about that afterwards? About the scene itself or about what we said about it. About I guess both. Because my I now I don't remember exactly what I said about it. It was two yeah. weeks ago. But I remember watching it and having no idea if there was like a deeper meaning to it or if it was just like i think our our sort of assumption was she's just kind of like grifting this community
2: yeah my my hot take and this is more for me than than a, a re- recounting for the podcast but um i i believe my my take was it's an art installation specifically for the rich mm-hmm. white people that are going to come to the to a show like that mm-hmm. and Specifically, her performance piece of it was her joke on all of them. The one part of it that left me kind of uh, curious is when, when she tells Emma Stone's character, she says, like, why did you do that? mm mm-hmm. Her asking her, like, why did you do that is the one thing that I, I don't think I had a good answer for. But mm-hmm. I think everything else, that was my take.
1: Well, there is a very detailed explanation of the of the performance piece on the subreddit. G- give it to me. Did anyone else feel Kara's performance art piece had a clear meaning or was it just supposed to be weird To me, it was showing the distress of Native Americans seeing others consume their resources and the things they worked to cultivate as a contrast to the traditional Thanksgiving story where the natives offered turkey to the white people graciously and everyone was happy. I felt like we as the audience were supposed to understand the meaning and feel embarrassed for Whitney for not getting it. But I also see a lot of people thinking it's just supposed to be odd and confusing
2: yeah i mean i yeah i i agree with that uh
1: the one thing that i feel like that misses or not misses but maybe leaves out that we just talked about and i know we talked about last week is that it also is a grift oh yeah i think she's very purposefully taking advantage of the rich white people yeah someone else says uh pretty shallow the subtext is that Kara is exploiting her culture that's why she was upset when another native native american was there
2: yeah see upset to me goes a i i didn't maybe see her as upset i just saw him as ambivalent mm-hmm. you know
1: the governor looks her dead in the face and can see that she's bullshitting, that her art yeah. isn't much of anything except for an attempt to separate white people from their money. Right. He doesn't start a fight, but mm-hmm. he, she feels judged because he sees through it.
2: See, I, I, that to me makes makes her out to be more blind of an artist than I think she is. You know, that that she is has no connection to her own heritage yeah. or identity, which wasn't necessarily the feeling I got from her, but maybe, maybe absolutely. Like th- there is that cynical, you could say it's cynical too, after her doing her art piece and everything, she's talking to her friends just about like, let's go out and get drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that experience meant nothing to her any more than like, you just did your high school performance. You're like, yeah, let's go to Chili's, you know? Mm -hmm. So you, there are signs there that she could be a truly like vapid grifter artist exclusively.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, I kind of, especially because I think the way that she treated them at dinner, how she didn't feel the need to like accommodate them at all Mm -hmm. or suck up to them at all. I interpreted that maybe as a, authenticity of, of her, but maybe that's not, maybe that's just her not wanting to put up with it Mm -hmm. for them.
1: Well, what's interesting about that too is she, maybe we can save this for when we talk about the episode, but she shows up in episode five and she seems to like hit it off with Dougie of all people. And that seems strange. (laughs) It seems strange how like, into Dougie, she is. And I didn't feel like it was like a, a put on. Right.
2: I will say that did make me feel like a put, like it made me feel like, yeah, there's something else happening here. Uh-huh. But it definitely didn't answer it in the episode. Yeah. You know, whether or not she was genuine with him. Mm-hmm. Because, like, as soon as you think they are getting along, he just says, like, yeah, my wife, you know. He gets her for smoking (laughs) and then goes back to like my wife died, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, I I mean, yeah, he's not (laughs) giving her anything to you know, yeah, to to hang on to. Sure, the one thing that I guess I wanted to say too before we get into the episode, and this kind of goes off of that, um, that post. It's funny what the curse has done to me. Mm-hmm. Um, where I feel like I'm aware of things, but I just have no framework or understanding of how to make a comment on it. Like this episode, I was always noticing that there are reflections of, of their their characters right. in almost every scene, whether it's through a distorted outside mirror of the house or inside a house um the 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 characters are constantly being reflected
1: right um and I'm yeah like, oh i'm
2: noticing all that and i have not i have nothing else to say about
1: it yeah i mean it we talked about it. that in the first episode because they appear to be doing a lot with not just like perspectives and reflections, but like warping those things yeah, you know, with the way the title sequence comes in every episode and yeah in a in the reflection they're always going to be um, at least somewhat warped um, the other thing that will I'll talk about now that I think has given the show the feeling that it has of like feeling like something is a little off and feeling like uh, it's slowly building to something instead of each show being like its own contained arc. Mm -hmm. It's felt like that idea of like the note that's always rising never ends. You know what I mean? Uh Um, And once I read this, I could not – not see it for the fifth episode i watched the fifth episode today okay um and so i don't know if this has been i'm sure this has been happening i mean i know for sure it's been happening to to a certain extent because we've talked about it but all of the fifth episode falls under this canvas uh he says have we has anyone talked about the cameras yet i called it from the trailer Da da. even more apparent in every episode how every single shot is shot as though it's from an in-universe camera crew or person following them around at all times. Whether it's from the perspective of someone filming them from outside the window or from filming tracking from inside a car, blah, 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 blah. blah. That's the gist of it. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed, literally every single (laughs) shot in this fifth episode is exactly that. It's shot from their car pulls up to a house and you don't see the car pull up to the house. What you see is a perspective of what looks like someone holding a camera outside of another car door. You see part of the car door, you see the side view mirror and you see their car pull up Mm -hmm. that any shot or most shots you see of people standing outside, you can see maybe some bushes on the edges of the screen or there's always something at the bottom or something that's a slightly out of focus that does give this feeling of like you're you're watching somebody.
2: Right, episode 4 has Emma Stone confront the guy who's feeling like his neighbors are stealing his packages right. and then you just watch her walk back, mm-hmm. but you're pulled back and you just watch her like walk into some trees and just keep going. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah there's there's a couple shots you know, where it breaks a little bit, especially episode five ends with them in their bedroom. I don't know how you would explain that as in in universe. And I didn't get the feeling with the shots itself that someone had like planted a camera in their room or something. Yeah. But you also have that shot in episode five where they're out. They walk outside the house and are talking about, maybe getting the people to sign the contract and it cuts to a perspective inside the house and you just see them in this tiny window Mm -hmm. and you see an old woman sitting on a couch. Yeah.
2: And then (laughs) she looks at the camera at the end. Yeah. 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 You know, to me, if I, I haven't really thought about it, but right now I would say it feels going back to episode one where I was like, this show is really making me feel like this is what the life of an influencer is like, or even a celebrity or minor celebrity where whether or not you're being monitored and watched, you have that feeling mm-hmm. because anything you say or do can be used against you. Mm-hmm. You know, well, in the
1: fifth episode, they're constantly, or maybe not constantly, but in that one scene, after every exchange, they turn to the kid running the audio and they're like, you're not recording us, right?
2: And and yeah. I believe uh, Nathan Fielder puts in how he ends that scene because he knows that he's being re- recorded. Right. And he wants it to seem that he is like. Joking. Well, they, they as a sexual. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> power, right. you know, like, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll record you. Yeah. You know, coming and And it's like. Yeah, we know that he's completely ineffectual. Right. But now he has it on tape. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, he's joking with her sexually. Yeah. Um and and that to me is maybe the maybe what this is trying to comment on. Like part of the curse is that you are always they are always being watched and monitored, mm-hmm. whether it's from an actual crew or not, whether it's us, right? They, they that voyeuristic perspective is is always around them Mm -hmm. you know and just like with the older lady in her house it's also bleeding out into the people around them that they're not even aware of Mm -hmm. you know i mean how many times do you see people in the background of influencer videos like notice the the camera be like try and get out of the way or whatever Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, these people aren't thinking about anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, do they want to be on film? What what's their what are they doing? Um, so it to me, the the curse, at least from that perspective, is just the the curse of living this influencer media driven life that whether or not you're on, you're always haunted mm-hmm. by that. And I also think about the scene. we talked about where she gets caught in her shirt and they immediately have to try and recreate that scene right because even though they're not being seen there's that feeling of what we could be or what could this be Mm -hmm. so right now i guess that's that would be my interpretation of it and especially in the context of the curse
1: so does that play into that is that just a feeling they're trying to give the show or is there a larger at the end of the series at the end of the season it's we're actually making a show about these two terrible people look how terrible they are
2: right it could be like um what's i always forget the name of this movie what's the name of the movie that you and i watched um I believe it's called Resolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Resolution. Um, Remember that movie? Mm -hmm. Um, And how the whole point of it is kind of, they realize that they're being observed. Mm -hmm. So it could be a situation where it does build and crescendo to something like that. But I don't think it's going to be that neat. Mm-hmm. i don't think it's gonna be that 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 tidy um you know i would love yeah we we end on this big pan out and we realize we're panning out from the city and then we pan out and they're in a spaceship and we pan out there's aliens watching the spaceship watching the show we pan yeah you know, um yeah i i think it's gonna be did you see the tom
1: sharpling i was gonna ask you did you listen or the, watch i did not
2: but did you hear what he said about the final? F- right. Yeah, I heard finale? that he
1: said nobody could ever predict how wild the ending is. Yeah, he
2: was basically like, you could give somebody like a thousand notebooks mm-hmm. and give them like a thousand days, just write out every permutation of the ending, yeah. and they wouldn't get it. Um, so I, I don't know what that means, but I don't, I don't know that that it's going to build in a linear way. I think for me, it's more about creating this feeling and hitting the idea of what they're what the show's about mm-hmm. and creating this atmosphere of what the show's about rather than necessarily building to one revelation that will tie into mm-hmm. yeah this secret crew that was always
1: there do you last thing before we actually talk about the episodes do you think there will be a second season or is this a one off Um, because all of the promo or all of the, like, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm imagining this, but it says season one on like everything. mm -hmm. It's not just the curse. It's the curse season one.
2: What if they just try and turn to an anthology series?
1: Yeah, maybe that's true. Season two is
2: the curse. Sure. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. And the only reason I think there could be another season, there's no way the show's doing well, right? (laughs) Like it feels like it gets a pretty good amount of buzz, but I cannot imagine there are millions of people watching this show, show. It's
2: showtime.
1: You know, well that's why that's why I think it could have a second season because geez. it seems like Showtime, Showtime is, just, is less worried about their bottom line and more worried about we just need people to talk about us.
2: We just need content. And it seems
1: like a lot of people are talking about the show. I think Showtime's going through a rebranding,
2: right? I, think I don't know. I think they're trying to be folded into another. Mm. I mean, now in the streaming services, I think we're we're headed towards the great consolidation we've talked about this. I do want to know like what, what is the viability of streaming services? Every streaming service I hear about is always like hundreds of millions of dollars in the hole every year. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like a lot of them are consolidating now, Mm -hmm. buying each other, trying to join forces again. So I think Showtime is in a, is, is trying to fold into something Mm. bigger so i don't anticipate them really having original content in a little bit i see them being a subsidiary of another company Mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah i don't know what the history i but again going back to like is nathan fielder really that does he have weight in hollywood yeah you wouldn't think so but he he gets projects done so, yeah, he has some poll. I don't know where that poll is coming from. Um, so may, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what itch the curse is scratching <laughs> for on, uh, like on a business model side. I yeah. love it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't understand uh, on a dollars and cents side of things.
1: All right. Episode four under the big tree. Dougie is called by Martha. Oh, boy. This just jumps right into it. the whole. F- so this episode opens up You've with upset
2: yourself already. <laughs> this,
1: this Wikipedia summary just ditches the first like, oh, I guess it doesn't because this phone call happens right at the beginning, right? Dougie wakes up in his car from some overnight bender. He gets a phone call. From the HGTV lady, they waste no time in disproving my, maybe the show's not even real theory. And she says, the show's been picked up. I had we a, want 10 episodes.
2: I had a theory, um, and I don't know if this theory is shot in season five, but I had a theory when that happened. And if we recorded, I would have said this theory. Do you want me to, to tell it to you?
1: Are you? So you think this whole sequence happens not sequentially when we see it
2: no i do but i think there's a at the time which i think again i think episode five kind of discounts mm-hmm. but when it happened i was like it's not their show mm. he pitched them oh, a reality show uh-huh. about them i see and they want to buy that
1: right they don't which wanna- is the, which is what we're watching with the Creeper footage.
2: (laughs) Yeah, which is why he's still trying to like creep in on them and get them to to do stuff that they don't want to do, right? He's Mm. always pushing them to be more confrontational and all that stuff. After I said that, and and I kept waiting because then it cuts to them talking to her because she can't get a hold of him. His phone dies. Mm -hmm. And he has all those cars.
1: Mm -hmm. And he
2: buried keys under, well, that kid. Because mm-hmm. then he takes the car back.
1: He went on a bender with some high schoolers that he bought alcohol for. I guess they just left their cars with everybody him in a desert. And the, he buried yeah. their keys everywhere. <laughs> finds the keys and then returns the cars to everybody. Yeah.
2: So then she talks to them about the show. And I kept waiting for her to like say the show. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, he could still be lying to her about what the show is. And she thinks they're in on it. And they think it's a different show. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, somebody could still be playing somebody here. But I again, I, I think I've abandoned that. But at the time, I was like, mm-hmm. I could see Dougie doing that.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting idea. Uh, Dougie is called by Martha, an HGTV representative, who informs him that Flip was officially picked up for 10 episodes. Oh
2: my gosh.
1: (laughs) However, Dougie finds himself in a landscape alongside two empty cars as well as the words under the big tree written on his hand with no idea of how he got there. He checks the area struggling to find clues. First of all, uh, let me also say this. Mm. You do not You do not pick up a rock and see a big ass black scorpion scorpion underneath it and then just move it five feet away and And crouch on the ground and start digging no way exactly you get out of there i well you move it farther away or I, i mean
2: you turn and face it
1: as soon you don't turn your back as soon as i pick that rock up the second i see that scorpion and I drop the rock, and I'm out of there. The second, I'm not holding on to a rock. I'm not, like, letting it climb onto the rock and then moving the rock somewhere. I'm gone. That was a big-ass scorpion.
2: Okay, number one, you've lived out of... I was going to say out of all of us. There's only two of us. <laughs> out of the two of us, you've probably lived closer to scorpions in real life than than, than I have. Mm-hmm. And you're this scared of scorpion? Like I'm scared of scorpions too. I'm not that I'm not vacating an area because a scorpion was on a rock.
1: No way. There's no way I'm staying there. <laughs> do you think scorpions can fly? What powers do you think a scorpion has? I don't know. I'm not taking the chance. I'm definitely not getting on the ground and digging in the ground.
2: And you're okay with crabs?
1: Crabs? When am I gonna be around a crab?
2: The beach. I don't like
1: going to the beach,
2: I know, but I don't see you freaking out any anytime, yeah, but a Re-
1: crab's not gonna poison me.
2: I mean you're not gonna die by a scorpion' sting.
1: How do you know? can scorpions kill you?
2: I don't think so i i i I know about black widows and brown recluses because those spiders can kill you. I don't know of any black widow
1: scorpion. Of the more than one thousand species of scorpions, moving on, <laughs> yeah. um, um, two can give you extreme diarrhea <laughs> there's only there's only one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah. He checks the area, struggling to find clues. Eventually, he discovers a bag under the tree. Containing the keys to the cars, the bag also contains two notes with the names Kevin and Wyatt, along with designated hours. Whitney and Asher are delighted to hear the pilot has been picked up, but they are facing new problems around the community. What, what does he yell "spank you" very much? <laughs> right, he does the Jim Carrey bit, the, Jim Carrey. <laughs> the Ace Ventura thing. Right, you know what? <laughs> Talking about bits,
2: I I'm. Uh, I was talking to Chris when he was here. And the one observation I had was, do, do you ever think about the fact there's a time where you could be famous and create a national craze by saying schwing? <laughs> sure. That's it. Like, just just going schwing. Yeah. That's it. America is like doubling over yeah, knee slapping swing. You Shwing get a movie a, deal you from get a it. movie deal. <laughs> we carry you around on our shoulders. Cause yeah. you, you came up with swing,
1: right? Shwing. Yeah. I gotta say Nathan Fielder, his take on the like,
2: thank you very much.
1: Right. The like, because like the jokes he makes are jokes that, you would make like knowing this is one of the stupidest possible things I could do. And it's not funny. Yeah. Right. And he does such a great job of like (laughs) playing it in a way that he doesn't know that. Right. And that he, I don't know if he thinks he's being genuinely funny but he thinks this is like the funny guy thing, thing to say. To and say and it, yeah. Oh, man. It makes me cringe so hard. hard. Dude. <laughs> uh, One of these involves, okay, facing new problems around the community. One of these involves Vic, their first buyer, who is complaining that his packages have been getting stolen ever since he moved into the house. Vic refuses to be involved with his neighbors, which goes against Whitney's plan in building a community. Asher continues visiting. Oh, let's let me stop there for a second. This is also a theme that continues into the fifth episode of. um, The people they're selling the houses to not. Fitting into Whitney's ideal Mm -hmm. sort of. Uh, vision settler yeah vision yeah um and she's getting like increasingly frustrated with it
2: and also controlling you know
1: well controlling until she has to do something about it in which case she completely backs off like with Vic, like you know when they're having the argument when when her and Nathan Field are having the argument, you know, she's very adamant, blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as she goes to the door, it's just kind of like a little bit of a terse, oh, you're not going to, okay. And then, you know, a couple awkward exchanges and she just leaves and he continues to use his new gas stove. Which, can I say, <laughs> gas stoves suck. suck, They suck. They Put put everything else aside. They are such a huge pain in the ass to clean. Every okay. time you cook something, mm-hmm. there's just like little nooks and crannies everywhere that stuff is getting in. And every time you want to clean it, you have to pull off all the grates. you have to pull off the burner things. It just is it sucks. It's a such a pain in the ass
2: and don't they constantly leak gas? Isn't that something that they found where it's listen,
1: that is something that that was like the, 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 the conservative talking point a few months ago of like liberals are crazy because they want to get rid of gas stoves. Mm -hmm. Right. And
2: now you're, now you want to get,
1: so I started like, I sort of thought it was probably was something that people are blowing out of proportion and then we started looking into the gas stove thing, and it got so, like, bad that we had to stop looking into it. Yeah. And just be like, we have a gas stove, and we're just going to have a gas stove, and people have had it for decades, and we'll be all right.
2: <laughs> yeah, not not to litigate it here. I don't have a gas stove, but I did the same thing, and I remember it coming up for me just being like, yeah, what's this? And yeah, I looked at one thing, I was like... Uh, it seems pretty definitive. It seems, it seems pretty, pretty, bad. Pretty, <laughs> pretty bad. Like if you now again, I think your house is bigger than a lot of pe- you know. Yeah. Th- there's other mitigating. It doesn't factors, matter. It, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it's not. It's not great. And, yeah. It, in um, yeah, in a hundred years, no one's gonna have a gas stove, right? And people are gonna be like, "Why did people live with gas stoves?" Yeah, <laughs> and you and purposely pumped why? gas into your house did they know it just was constantly like yeah right. well, they knew why do people use asbestos i don't know yeah, they're exactly. crazy. <laughs> uh
1: still haunted by his role oh no i skipped a bunch of stuff asher continues visiting absher which obviously they're doing something with the names there mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. i don't know what Absur, but Absur. something's happening, and See,
2: we're we're good enough to make the observation. Don't
0: <laughs> ask us <laughs> what it means.
1: Uh, Asher continues vid- visiting Absher and Nala to perform renovations on the house, although his visits are actually just to check whether the curse has been lifted or not. And that's when we get the scene where Absher pulls Asher in the back and is like, "Hey, listen." Stop fucking talking about this curse shit yeah. with my kids. I'm
2: trying to get them. I finally got them to right. calm down about it. Yeah,
1: and again, it's played for this whole like, um, from Nathan Fielder's side of it. It's the like, what is it like xenophobic? Almost like like these these people obviously believe in curses it's a part of their culture or whatever mm-hmm. but no it's just the dad who's like listen i've been dealing with this shit for months and exactly. they won't stop talking about please enough exactly don't, don't bring it up.
2: another thing that i love so much is like yeah when you actually get down to he's like no it's just like you're dealing with any kid who gets yeah. obsessed with an online trend and you as the parent are just sick of it yeah it's yeah it's so good
1: uh seeing fernando with the rifle whitney rifle he has a handgun does he not Mm-hmm. in the scene where she makes the employee go talk to him it's because he has a handgun yeah uh seeing fernando with the rifle whitney has reservations and has the owner instruct him not to bring weapons to work um uh, there's been a big uh there's been a big to-do on the subreddit about Chekhov's gun.
2: Anytime you show a gun, it's gotta be used. It's go gotta off. be
1: used. Do you think that applies with Fernando here?
2: Does it apply with
1: Fernando? Um, you know,
2: they've we we've had some questions about Fernando, mm-hmm. and I definitely still do. There's that freeze frame of him. Mm-hmm. Where both of us were like, you thought, oh, he's dead, mm-hmm. he's toast, and obviously not.
1: No, 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 no not. Uh, I'm uh, not obviously uh, until this season's over. I didn't mean that to say the very next episode. Okay. At some point, he's getting, he's getting got.
2: He's getting got, gotted. Um, the thing with with him that I thought was interesting is in this, where he's the one who is like actively pursuing this woman from the community mm-hmm. who is stealing jeans That he's mm-hmm. the one who's like, yeah, let's call the cops. Like, good. And um so again, it, it made me think of two things, right? Number one is outsiders, we want to monolith everybody. You know? Um they are all like X. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, the the, the father, he's going to talk to me about the curse because he, he knows it's real. No, he's just a normal dad who wants his girls to shut up about this thing, you know? Mm. And like with this, where you're like, well, people from the community need to, you know, and you get this guy from the community, he's like, yeah, throw are in jail, mm. you know? So, number one, people aren't a monolith. Number two, it, it did make me think, too, like, people have various levels of awareness in relation to their own like survival. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's the white guilt that adds so much more intensity, anxiety around things. Whereas if you talk to any nine to five, like blue collar person, they're going to be like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, Okay. If you tell me that all this stuff is meaningful, uh in terms of like gentrification, mm-hmm. okay. But I I don't know, man. I go to work and I right. come home. I don't I don't go walk downtown much. You know, in and, yeah. and, and I know words, I have the best words. Yeah. I feel like that's probably how I'm sounding right now. But
1: No, I meant that as those the, are the um, two yeah That's the working man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, it's like all of this uh, projection, this anxiety that she has, um, which also, fun, like, I love her giving her credit card.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I guess this goes just goes to your monolith point. But the show, and and maybe it is a guilt feeling, because obviously I'm going to relate on a practical level, more to Whitney and Asher than I am Absher and his family. Mm -hmm. But her telling them don't call the cops. she it's just stealing. Whatever is the right thing to do is the correct answer. Right? Yeah. But obviously the solution for that is to not just, <laughs> just put everything they steal on my, oh, credit, my card. credit card. <laughs> right? Like there needs to be bigger, more systemic changes than that, which she can't do in the moment. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Hey,
2: well, and you are perpetuating the problem. Yeah. Cause guess what I'm going to do as the worker. Hey buddy, do you want some jeans? This lady right. just put her card on file. Just come over and grab some jeans. Right. You know, like you're creating a situation where people are going to, from their own interests take advantage of that. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you? She, you, you've said I'll pay for these jeans. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Then I'll buy the jeans. Right. Um, okay. Fernando with the rifle, blah, blah, blah. Dougie continues investigating the events at the field, eventually discovering that he'd brought alcohol that he'd bought Alcohol for two teenagers the night before. Still haunted by his role in his wife's death, Dougie decided to hold <laughs> the car keys to prevent them from getting in an accident. His his scene with the mom is
2: hilarious. It's great oh, the it's...
1: way it, the way it flips <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> he has a conversation with Asher, convinced that he might be cursed. As well that's right. He so says something like. That's right. He's, you know, I was cursed too in relation to being drunk, driving and killing your wife wife. because you're drunk driving. That's your curse. (laughs) As he starts opening up about his wife's death, he stops mid sentence and leaves the room. To improve his image in the next episodes, Asher attends a comedy class. The speaker asks, Asks the class to perform a joke entirely through pantomime and everyone will support each other regardless of the jokes delivery.
2: <laughs> go, ahead,
1: go ahead. <laughs> no, i just remembering the scene. Well, I was going to say,
2: <laughs> I feel bad now because talk about not being able to anticipate what was going to happen mm-hmm. when the camera holds on him. My mind was racing and I was just getting ready for him to like <laughs> mumble something, like uh-huh, uh-huh. you know. And what he does <laughs>
1: It's unhinged.
2: It's it's completely yeah. well. I sent you that out of context. Uh-huh. Did you watch that before you watched the episode?
1: I no, I didn't watch it. Okay. I'd seen that screenshot before you sent me that on the subreddit. Okay. So I had an idea it was coming.
2: Oh man. I had no idea. And what he does is Again, it's one of those things you're like, I know it's just him in the moment, but when you watch so much Nathan Fielder, you're like, did he practice that for like (laughs) 10 hours? Like, (laughs) did he really work on like, what's the weirdest thing that I could do? Because it's so bizarre and unsettling. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect mixture that just makes you feel sick. (laughs) It's sick to watch him,
1: (laughs) watch him work. Uh, while this class successfully performs Asher whose performance Consists of making a face and a loud noise Is the only one to not make anyone laugh Doesn't the teacher say like Okay
2: Yeah look, Okay
1: <laughs> um, And that's episode four Let me Ooh. see Do any of these apply to episode four No uh nope the cameras here. nope, okay, any other thoughts on episode four under uh, the big tree? Uh,
2: no, episode four is very um uh to me, it felt like a transition episode of just
1: mood. Like, that's how I, every episode has felt to me. I to be don't honest. know.
2: For, for me, and this is not a term that I use. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how it's going to sound coming out of my mouth. Uh-huh. Hold up. I'm really re rethinking it right now if I even want these words to come out of my
1: mouth. What? The vibes. Oh, boy. Answer the question. You blew it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's fine. Are rancid. On episode four, four, I think that applies for the whole show. The vibes,
2: the vibes were always off, Uh and in four is when it just went completely like fetid. Okay, disgusting. Um, and yeah, all right, and it carries in in episode five.
1: Yeah, so episode five, it's a good day. Whitney and Asher meet with a couple interested in one of Whitney's passive homes. Let me also say this. Okay. Mm. Passive homes are cool. This show no. is obviously misrepresenting things, but Pat, a passive home. Okay. The idea and the concept and the way they pull it off is cool.
2: Number one. Yeah, I probably will agree. Number two, Of course it would for you because we've talked about this. You're the one who just would love to have a system where you just slurp in what your body needs (laughs) Uh, for a 24-hour period. And then you don't worry about eating or anything like that. You love the idea of a perfectly regulated system. Yeah. Um. So, of course, you would like that. But Why would you not want that for your house? I'm down with that. I don't want a house that constantly stays at 78 degrees. That's not that. Okay. That's the, where they're the misrepresenting summer. things. That's where they're misrepresenting okay, things. If you, okay? if you can guarantee that.
1: There are AC units and AC and shit in passive homes. Okay. okay. That is a th- joke for the show. I then think. I'm on board. I think.
2: Yeah, okay. See, <laughs> uh, I, I'm i on board, but I just know that somewhere <laughs> deep in the small print, there's going to be something yeah. that uh, is going to make me realize, like, oh, this is unlivable.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, they're talking to the couple who's looking to my house. Whitney requires them to sign a document supporting the San Pedro Pueblo's tribes right to compensation for their land. However, the husband is not convinced by the house's cooling system and the wife refuses to sign the document, annoying Whitney and causing a heated argument. This causes the couple to pull out of the intended offer. Uh, This is also that moment where uh, Asher flips his shit and screams at the couple in the car. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. What did they say to her? Because
2: as soon as he was screaming, he was like, you don't talk about my
1: right. wife that way. I they like, said something that? that was like, that was unpleasant or something. It was yeah. a very mild. Yeah.
2: It made me think like, did I miss them mumble? Right. Something like I that? had
1: the exact same question. And it was, Julia was like, no, they just said that was unpleasant. And it was like, okay. I mean, it makes sense for Asher's character. Uh, Also, the house my parents built in Arizona had this type of deal. It was on Native American land. Mm. And as part of buying the house, they had some sort of contract that was like, they didn't own the land, but it was treated almost like an HOA kind of, where it was just like a fee they were paying monthly. They owned the house, but they didn't own the land. It wow. was strange. I was not smart enough or old enough to care when I they were telling me about it. But <laughs> they outrageous. had something like that happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still requiring buyers for th- flip-thanthropy, Dougie suggests using actors for the season. That's what happens after...
2: You think if you had to find people to be in an episode, do you think it'd be hard to find people or do you think it'd be easy? Mm -hmm. I think it'd be pretty easy. Mm -hmm. I think I could get someone who's not going to sing stand by me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, all of these shows are fake anyways. I mean, I, I, cause I've read a million things about it. I don't know if I've ever read like the people in it are straight up actors, but like the show house hunters, the way that show works is the people that they get to be on the show have already bought the house and like renovated the house and moved in that the show is about. And then they have to go back and like pretend that all this up, that they were looking at these other houses and considering them and blah, blah, blah. It's all fake. Um, I wonder what, what,
2: what do you get?
1: You get to be on TV.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like,
1: do you get real, like... I'm sure they get paid something. Get a new fridge? Yeah, I mean, I guess.
2: We'll hook you up with a new washer dryer.
1: Oh, man, we skipped past my favorite line of the episode when they're in the house and they're talking about the toilets. (laughs) And they're going back and forth about how it's a prison toilet. And Asher says, well, prison toilets don't have lids. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Okay. They require actors or Dougie suggests they get actors. Whitney brings Kara as a fake buyer. So yeah, this was the other. So this is where Kara comes into episode five. Uh, she treats the show as a joke and takes the opportunity to humiliate Whitney. Um, yeah, I guess that was just a little bit more forward than the dinner scene they had where it's like, you could tell she didn't want to be there. You could tell she didn't like these people, but she was kind of just, I'm here to do my business transaction or whatever whereas this was very i don't know if you could call it passive aggressive it was just pretty aggressive aggressive, aggressive. Mm-hmm. um she jokes about the house
2: comments on oh. her own work right
1: yeah and this was very this is actually very similar to i think it was in episode 4 the scene where Dougie and Nathan and Asher are, are talking to each other, and Dougie says something like, He goes to apologize for bullying Asher when they are kids. Yeah. He, and he's no, like, he No, didn't. You, you didn't. We were just joking around. You didn't bully me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, this is like that same type of deal where it's like, shh. I don't know if Whitney's like unaware. I guess it doesn't feel like she's unaware that she's being made fun of, mm-hmm. but she's definitely choosing to look past it and well, to be outwardly ignorant of it.
2: Well, and she she's also, I think that we've determined she's a non-confrontational mm-hmm. person. And sure. you get her at her most confrontational afterwards, where she's trying to get Kara? Kara. Kara. Trying to get Kara like, off the set. Mm-hmm. And she's like... Why don't you come with me? Right. I'll drop you off. She's like, no, I'll hang out here. Mm -hmm. Which to me, again, all of the way that she's reacting to Dougie and everything makes me feel like it's all about her kind of sticking it to, you know, Emma Stone and Nathan Feather's character. Mm -hmm. That her liking Dougie or whatever else is just in service to her being there and just being a thorn in the side. Of but
1: it. is she doing it because she doesn't like Whitney and Asher and what they represent and maybe what they're doing or trying to do to the community? Or is she doing it because she feels like they're budging in on her grift or mm. maybe both?
2: I got it. You know, it could be like, yeah, you can't bullshit a bullshitter Mm -hmm. where she's just like, yeah, I, I see your game because I'm doing it to stay out.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe that is it. Maybe I'm giving her too much of the benefit of the doubt that she actually cares about, you know, her heritage in any way. Mm hmm that would give her that little glimmer of self-respect as an artist. And maybe she is just full grift all the time. Um, But yeah, I could see that.
1: I also still don't feel like Whitney. I feel like, I still feel like Whitney thinks she's a good person and what she's doing is a good thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. She does.
1: Whereas Asher knows what they're doing is like, maybe not necessarily bad, but like taking advantage of people.
2: He, he he's more overt in what he's doing. And she definitely, I think that she has awareness that she's denying, Mm -hmm. um, and it comes out when she freaks out her parents right. She's like, this is my land, my property, you know it's like uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're doing good or that even like that you're blameless because mm-hmm. your parents are slum lords. You're still accepting the money of slum lords mm. to create your utopia. And the utopia you're creating, is also one that you're controlling you know mm-hmm. and trying to force into be an image mm-hmm. of what you want to be you're not right, in a any very way,
1: specific yeah.
2: yeah idea and as soon as things are running in the way that you can keep up that facade you're fine with it so when the coffee shop is back open she's like Oh, you want to stop and get coffee? Oh, it's completely forgetting the fact like they're only up because the show is running. Mm -hmm. And as soon as, yeah, the show is done, they're gone again, Mm -hmm. right? So you haven't done anything for this community.
1: Uh, Whitney then resorts to asking strangers in the street to help and identifies a man and a woman to play a couple even though they are not married. The man insists on bringing his actual girlfriend... Resulting in an awkward filming session where he, right they end he. <laughs> I mean, part of the show, the execution of all of this stuff is so great. Even um Benny Safty as Dougie is just like pitch perfect. Yeah. Nothing about it feels off. Nothing about it feels like man, it just is executed so well. Yeah. And this idea of like, yeah, they bring and some amateur couple into the house and the, just the little awkward exchange they have right before he starts to sing is so good, oh. man. Uh, and he sings stand by me.
2: It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. brutal. Uh.
1: The man insists on bringing his ex girlfriend, resulting in an awkward filming session. Finally, Asher decides to get one of Whitney's previous prospective buyers, Mark, aka Superman, Dean Kane, to purchase the home for the show.
2: He's also a great character.
1: He's a great character because he, first of all, he is a MAGA guy. In real life, in real life, he might not be like ultra maga, but I for sure remember some like I think you're right, Dean Kane Trump stories. I think so too. Um, but you're right; he's perfect because he it's he's just a great representation of. Um. For me, a great representation of like how blurry the lines get, Mm -hmm. right? And it's very easy in your bubble, right? Or in your online group or whatever to say, you know, to be very definitive and draw hard lines across stuff. But then when you're working with actual people, actual magas or whatever, it's the lines are blurry, Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the thing that separates us from them, if that's how you want to frame it, is like our worldview, our political system is supposed to lift them up, right? It lifts everybody up. That's the whole point. Um, So these are people you have to work with. You can't just write them off wholesale. You can't say – Oh, he's got a Blue Lives Matter flag and a giant We the People bumper sticker. No way, you know what I mean? Decal, not just right. Yeah, entire back window (laughs) is We the People. Um. Yeah, and again, it's it's handled really well with the show. Whitney has reservations about Mark being an avid Blue Lives Matter supporter, but he turns out to be enthusiastic about the house. Deeply passionate about the passive home concept while also espousing support for the Pueblo as his great grandmother was Apache.
2: And also I love the fact that he is lo- he's all about the passive home because he wants to be off the grid.
0: You <laughs> exactly. Know? She, That's right. That's she's right. He's like,
2: we're doing this for the climbing. He's doing like, I love them off the grid. Right. He's like, yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, while Whitney is unhappy over Mark's ideologies, she begrudgingly agrees to sell to him.
2: And, like, the pout that she, again, mm-hmm. the fact that she holds it all the way through going to bed that night, mm-hmm. to me, just made me, again, just be, like, physically ill. Mm-hmm. Imagine being with somebody like that. Just mm-hmm. being like, I, I couldn't, I can't believe...
1: Well, let me get to that. She begrudgingly agrees to sell the house to Asher and Whitney and Asher and Whitney return home. And while Asher is delighted over the news, Whitney is very distant in her answers as they prepare for bed. Whitney dismisses Asher's advances where he calls her his angel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the last, the last point you made, I actually have a note about that. And it's kind of an issue that I have with the show, maybe not with the show, but with Nathan Fielder in general, which we've talked about before, Mm -hmm. which is that watching this show and watching Nathan Fielder's other stuff makes me feel like a bad person Uh because there are so many little things that Asher and Whitney do that I relate to that I've done that happen in like a normal married life that make you feel terrible because you're seeing it represented so clearly by these two people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, their relationship seems doomed. There's a lot more to it than just that. You know what I mean? But the fact that they can so clearly sort of, represent this aspect of married life or, you know, awkward social life and put it on these two pretty terrible people makes me feel like, wait a minute. Am I a terrible person? Like I can relate to being proven wrong by something and then being like grumpy about it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody's done that. Mm -hmm. You can't relate to that. Do you think that makes you like? I don't ever want to talk to that person again. You know, I am
2: very, um, yeah. I'm, I'm. Maybe I have a overly sensitive kind of attunement to that stuff. Like, but I do generally feel like, um. I could be written off for one thing that I do Mm -hmm. that's bad. And maybe I'm too aware of that Mm -hmm. or I'm talking to somebody. I'm like, crap. if, if I say one thing wrong, they're never going to want to talk to me again Mm -hmm. because and I realized, you know what? Just this week I was going to send you something. And I was like, it's really kind of like judgmental and shitty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just an observation I had about random people. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to send that. Um, and that kind of over uh, analysis and maybe even like judgmental attitude is something that I probably identify more with than with the pouty. Maybe I'm like too aware to be pouty like that because I'm like, well, I wouldn't hang out with this person if I acted this way. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not going to be that person. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I, I I see what you're saying, but I've never acted that way because again, I think I've just been too, too aware
0: mm-hmm.
2: of being somebody that I wouldn't want to hang out with. Sure. And I, I also want to say that creates a whole bunch of blind spots for me. Uh-huh. I probably would annoy me too if I had to hang out with myself.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, there's just, I guess, I mean, yeah, I don't know how relatable that is, but uh, listen, and maybe I'm outing myself by saying that, but I relate a lot to, I mean, that, and that's kind of, to me, part of what makes it so cringe is it's relatable. It's like, we've all been in those situations and they're awkward situations.
2: It's It's definitely relatable. Again, I didn't relate to how she acted to my life. I don't think that I don't know what that equivalent would be for me. Sure. Um but again, I know that there are things that I do mm. that would be like absolutely Oh my god, I can't believe I I acted that way.
1: Yeah. Um the end. I've got a couple posts I wanted to talk about. Okay uh performance art uh oh dean kane was a great bit of stunt casting one of the few vocal right wing actors when he shows up audiences put into whitney's perspective some audience members will be immediately turned off then the character goes through and is the perfect buyer for whitney we just talked about that um okay One post I wanted to talk about some curse hot takes from the subreddit. So let me know if you think of these hot takes. Okay. Uh, I'm skipping the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Too hot. No, it's just, it's meaningless. Although the veneer of anxiety and discomfort is thick. The show is primarily funny. A F. Okay, sure. Asher tries to put on a liberal face to placate Whitney, but is actually a conservative at heart and hates women, and he's barely disguising it.
0: Do uh-huh.
1: you agree with that?
2: He actually hates women. He's does
1: actually he, a conservative and he hates women. Does
2: he hate women or does he hate himself?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm more on the hate himself. Wagon. I think
2: so too. I'm. I don't. Don't agree with that one.
1: Dougie is undeniably attractive in his sadness and instability. And likely doomed.
2: I mean, doomed? Like, yeah, would would Kara be attracted to his misery and dead wife story? (laughs) He he didn't strike me as that. Yeah. Um, He just seems alienated. Lonely, sad, and desperate.
1: Mm -hmm. He is doomed. Yes. For sure. Uh, This next one (laughs) is, (laughs) I don't know. It seems like he maybe is just trying to be contrarian for the sake of it. James, the governor, enjoyed Kara's performance, (laughs) and she was glad he saw it. They shared a moment of silent understanding in the structure. (laughs) No, he... No, yeah.
2: Wrong. Wrong. You're wrong. Uh,
1: The curse could get all the critical acclaim in the world, but will never be mainstream popular, and people need to stop worrying about audience scores. There's been a lot of audience score talk on this. I episode.
2: mean, sure. Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. Who we, cares?
1: We, yeah, no one... Also, yeah, we all... Like, this is not... This show is never going to be a flagship. We have the curse, the curse season four. We have two finales that are two and a half hours long.
2: Remember game of Thrones. (laughs) Well, now it's the curse (laughs) season two. Uh,
1: Nathan Fielder is one of the very few writer directors to put his own. Okay. Come on, bro. To put his own dick and definitely real ass into his work.
2: No. Yeah.
1: If your partner refuses to watch this show with you, they probably see shades of your relationship somewhere in it.
2: Maybe. Yeah,
1: I guess that's a partner question. Um, I will say,
0: Mm. uh,
1: Julia has been more interested in watching the show than I have.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: I've found the show. I like it a lot. I like everything about it. It is still like, un like I have to, I have I to work myself up to watch it. Tomorrow's the finale, right? No, there's 10 episodes. Oh, is there 10? I think so. Um, I'm pretty sure. Maybe not.
2: I don't know why I thought tomorrow's the finale.
1: There are 10 episodes. Hmm.
2: Where are we at now? We're at five.
1: We, did, at, five? we did five. So we have 6, 7, 9, four, 10 six. left. That's okay. how. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, we've been watching Fargo. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to be like, yeah, let's watch the next episode. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, this is not binge.
1: Yeah. Worth it.
2: But it goes back to where I was saying. And like episode one or whatever, I think where, you know, it feels like vegetables, even though I hate that comparison, I don't think good art is equivalent to vegetables. Mm -hmm. But there is an aspect of it where, especially from critical consensuses, people just wanted like, oh, there's no original programming anymore. Then the curse comes out and just... I'm not seeing a lot of writing about it. Mm-hmm. Not seeing same thing with the rehearsal, where it's like he's doing something new, and just people just don't want to touch it because again, I don't think it sells. Mm-hmm. No one's going to read that article, and so it just gets passed over. And it is—it's challenging. It's difficult, right?
1: It's going the audience that it is meant for is going to watch it and feel bad about themselves in right. one aspect or another. That's kind of.
2: And then feel good about ourselves because we actually watched The Curse. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We made it through it.
1: But yeah, I will say, even though I do have to work myself up to watch it, as soon as it starts every time, it's always like, oh, this is, I'm in it. This is great. Mm. Um, All right, last one. When it comes to Showtime's best prestige original TV shows, The Curse is already better than Twin Peaks The Return parentheses a very high bar no, i mean it's not even over yet mm. I, I the don't twin get those... peaks isn't over or you're talking about the curse no the
2: curse the mm-hmm. curse isn't over yet i mean you know and I, I don't know i've been trying to get away from comparisons with with art trying not to just compare everything to everything else because i think that's a lazy analysis in the end what are you proving
0: mm-hmm.
2: yes or no like Again, the, the, the curse and Twin Peaks might be doing more, like, aggressive things. They're trying to accomplish something more. Mm-hmm. But they're not related in any way.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. That's it. That's all I've got. Okay. And anything else or is that it?
2: Um, I... No. I mean, again, I think, like... Talk to him. I love the show, and I'm picking up on a lot of things, like noticing a lot of things. I don't know what it all means, Mm -hmm. you know, yet. And, um, but I am excited. We've talked about this before. I do think that we've gotten to a point where people are done just ending things without a point. You know, Mm -hmm. again, Mm -hmm. I think all the rage maybe. 10, 15 years ago would be, oh, the curse ain't answering shit. Mm-hmm. Nope. We're going to get the final episode. It's going to be leading up to like four characters are going to be holding guns on each other and someone's about to shoot and it's just going to cut to black and, mm-hmm. and, and roll credits and back up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I feel like, and maybe it's with Nathan Fielder as well. I feel like there's a direction that you're going to, there's a resolution that you're going to have. It might not be a resolution you can anticipate, but I think you're going to get to the end having an experience that you can kind of understand in some way. And I don't think it will be as kind of nebulous and open-ended as maybe even David Lynch stuff is and how some of the more annoying, you know, stories of the aughts, Mm -hmm. um, were where they're just you you kind of have a feeling like yeah they really don't have an answer for some artists when they talk about the work you get the sense like oh they do understand like they have an answer but they're not going to tell you because that's not the point point. and then other artists when you hear them talk about their stuff and they go i don't know what you think you're like <laughs> yeah they have no idea <laughs> they have not <laughs> thought about it <laughs> any more than just yeah we're gonna make this movie move on so
0: yeah
1: Okie dokie.
2: All right. So, I mean, well, one thing that I guess we could mention is coming up on Christmas. Yes. Is this something where we're just going to check in in the new year? I have a good amount of time off.
1: Yeah, I don't think we have any big plans for Christmas, right? Like we did with Thanksgiving. I think the thing that threw us off for Thanksgiving is that Chris came over. Mm, i a jerk. So, um, I don't have time off for Christmas, but, you know, I think yep, we can probably just stick to the schedule, right? Christmas keep those is on
2: libraries a... up and running over break. Christmas
1: when... is on a Monday,
2: mm. I think. You tell me. Uh, really quick, just because now I'm interested, when is Halloween in 2024? Is it actually on a weekend?
1: Halloween?
2: Well, you're looking at a calendar right now, right? You can very easily
1: just go October. Yeah, but why do you want to know when Halloween is? Halloween is the last day of October, right? Yes, it's a Thursday. Close. You just wanted to know when Halloween was in 2024? Yeah, you mentioned that- For Christ, no specific reason? You said
2: Christmas is on a Monday, and so it made me curious. What's the only other day of the year that you care what day falls on?
1: <laughs> I don't care what day Halloween falls on. Why do you care what day Halloween falls on? It makes
2: everything so much easier if it's on a weekend. Getting the kids together, getting them out there. Like, that's a big production as a
1: parent. Sure. It's a Thursday next year. That sucks. Okie dokie. Bye. bye
0: bye. I love being your tile coach. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye, bye.